Hello, you're listening to Earth Matters, produced in the studios of 3CR Radio, Fitzroy, Victoria, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters, we bring you environment and social justice stories. I'm Kerry Lee Harding. This week on Earth Matters, you'll get an up-close and personal tour of the Sovereignty Art Exhibition, which is on now at the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art at Southbank. Aboriginal and Islander self-determination, racism, identity and resistance are just some of the topics all expressed through a range of exciting, diverse and unique artworks on display now as part of the Sovereignty Art Exhibition on at the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art, also known as ACCA in Southbank, Melbourne. First Nations artists have come together to explore sovereignty and what it actually means to them in this exhibition through a range of art forms and featuring for the first time Victoria's finest Indigenous artists. Today on Earth Matters, sit back and relax as we take you on a very special personal tour through the galleries of Acker in Melbourne. We're joined by Paula Bella, co-curator of Sovereignty. Yeah, we're very um, blessed and, um, you know, as a co-curator of Sovereignty, uh, I feel very grateful to be able to share this painting and it's um, ceremony by um, esteemed Wurundjeri elder, leader, diplomat um, and activist William Barak, um, who should be more well-known by non-Aboriginal people across this country. Um, so this is one of his paintings de- depicting ceremony uh, to... Uh, fires burning in the centre of the image and there are beautifully coloured men dancing um, with boomerangs moving around those fires conducting um, ceremony and there are women also um, who have beautiful feathers on their heads and this is a a very important process of business and culture and art all coming together and um, some say, you know, that not sure if he was actually depicting the events of the time or if he was actually um, trying to also, um, you know, capture and document um, ceremonies from the past so they wouldn't be forgotten because, you know, this is a man who's working between um, the 1800s and the 1890s, you know, up into the 1890s. And so this is um, around, you know, uh, 1887. Um, and we also have his club and shield, which is just incredible. Tell me about the club and shield that we're looking at here before us, Paula. Um, so this being William Barak's um, beautiful uh, parrying shield and, and club and, um, and they're intricately engraved with these beautiful little markings. Um, it's very delicate but very powerful work and the shield has the beautiful um, diamond patterns that you know, are very much a part of Victorian Aboriginal um, imagery and um, iconography. Um, and for me they really represent a sense of resistance and power um, also being warriors and fighters and protectors so I mean it's very different to looking at a painting or to video works but it makes me really emotional because of what they represent Um, and they sort of just stand silently you know and they come from living um, trees you know from the trees themselves are witnesses and things can be removed from trees without destroying them so that these objects live on as testaments to, you know, his being a warrior and a protector and that his story just continues to be told, you know, it's very important. And these, we're lucky that these are on loan to us from the Koori Heritage Trust. So 
a really fantastic part of the exhibition. As we make our way over through Gallery One here at ACCA, two beautiful paintings before me here. Who's the artist? So these are fantastic, really large canvases, um, over two metres wide, one of them, and the other one's about a metre and a half wide. Um, these are by Auntie Marlene Gilson, who's a Wadawurrung elder and traditional owner. And um, she's in her, I hope she doesn't mind me saying, but she's in her early 70s. Um, and I like to say that because she only started painting a few years ago. And so I just think it's marvellous to see an elder come into their knowledge and their, and their talent later in life, you know, and tell these stories. And I think like a lot of our elders, maybe they're not ready to tell these stories until they get to a certain stage of life. I, I know with my grandmother that, that she did the same thing. Um, and Annie Marlene does these incredibly detailed and very intricate history paintings that are full of people, full of colour, full of movement, um, houses, trees, um, natural features like the river. Um, each one has banjal and wah in them. Um, they're very important to her. And one is about the, the, the Batman Treaty or the so-called Batman Treaty. And the other one depicts the, um, uh, the very tragic event of the execution, the public execution of Tanaminawait and Mobahina in, in Melbourne in 1842. Um, so they're both very important history paintings from an Aboriginal perspective. But Auntie um, depicts everything that's happening. She's, she's telling the colonial story, the settler story, as well as the black one. And I just think that's fantastic because she really pushes the viewer to think about, you know, who's, who's telling the story here? And what are you used to looking at, you know, as a, as a colonial viewer? Are you used to looking at history and understanding it through a white gaze? Um, and if you are, you'll probably be intrigued by these paintings because they seem to have all of the things in there that you might not necess necessarily see in Aboriginal art. They have the colonial buildings, they have white people in colonial dress. Um, and then when you look closely and you see all the Aboriginal people within the image um, either pushed out to the margins um, or just doing, you know, their work, going about their day and trying to survive the, the, col the new colonisation and they're doing it really beautifully and in a dignified way. And so I just think they're fantastic, active, alive paintings about the past. It's a beautiful dark, dark grey, uh, charcoal to black. And uh, Stevens filmed himself on his country, on Gunai, uh, Kurnai country, um, shooting arrows into a shield that he's constructed himself. And he's in um, camouflage gear. So you see that reference to Rico Rennie's camouflage gear outside. Here he's um, shooting arrows and they're making this fantastic thwacking sound when, once they hit the, hit the wood. And my little boy, who's 12, was in here the other week and he just absolutely loves this work. He loves the clean sound and how satisfying it seems. And I think that's what you get from this. You can see Stephen sort of um, getting the satisfaction from thwacking these arrows. Um, they're, hunting, they're hunting arrows um, into that shield and he's, he's really commenting too on... Um, the ongoing violence um, and the violence in that country of the, the massacres that took place there and the ongoing racism that um, his family and community are dealing with on country there. So it's a really powerful work in that way. Um, so what we're looking at here are three works that look a little bit, pardon the pun, arresting <laughs> um, because they, they're quite large and they're probably a little bit imposing looking. They're a dark sort of 
green um, army coloured camouflage um, on the outside that's like a tarp fabric with sort of rough tent-like stitches and there's a, there's a beautiful pattern on them that you see repeated on the shield in the video work. Um, but the other side of them is papered with sheriff notices, which is where my little arresting pun comes from, because um, Stephen's a master all of these um, sheriff enforcement order notices and um, uh, notices from the sheriff sort of, um, you know, threatening him with um, court action and so on. So um, he's blocked out his um, personal details on it, his address and so on. But even the blocking out, the beautiful black marking creates another pattern in itself and for me I think it's really work about resistance and the history of us as Aboriginal people having to always speak back to the man and speak back to the law that this imposed you know colonial law on our country and our way of life and then being locked into their financial system Um, so it's a really strong comment about well whose law are we following you know and how do we cope with that financially then when it's that kind of um, law making that puts our people in jail um, and we see at the moment rising incarceration rates of Aboriginal, you know, women from Victoria and in Victoria going to jail over things like fines, you know. And I know that that's a reality I grew up with, um, with my mum, you know, hard-working single Aboriginal mother who we constantly was threatened by the sheriff, you know. My brother and I would, would um, have to speak to him at the door to protect my mum. And our, our live reality, and this work was really um, made me feel quite emotional when I first saw it because... Part of my growing up was this feeling that my mother was going to get taken by the sheriff and she would say, look, kids, I'm just going to go into jail for a little while until I pay my fines off. So it really made me quite emotional, this work. Um, Thankfully, my mother, you know, was spared that and we were spared that. But we did live with poverty and it it really evoked that for me. So I think that it's um, a really powerful personal work, even though it looks quite sort of male and imposing when you really think about you know what story he's telling beneath it. I think it's I think it's really important about the the state of affairs for us legally in this country. I also find this work before us uh, very confronting indeed for the very same reasons you just explained there about the fact that uh, Aboriginal people and uh, the sheriff's office are sometimes not a good combination. No. 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 So just seeing these enforcement order notices, as you just mentioned there before, Paula, I also see these before me and I think of our brothers and sisters who are in jail just for fines. Absolutely. Yeah, I think of Miss Do. May she rest in peace. Aboriginal deaths in custody, going to jail for fines. I'm getting emotional. Let's move on to the next piece of work, Paula. Yeah. 
you're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network with Kerry Lee Harding. And if you've just tuned in, you're listening to an up-close and personal tour of the Sovereignty Art Exhibition, which is currently on display at the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art in Melbourne. We're joined by Paula Bella, co-curator of Sovereignty. Oh, wow, this beautiful piece of artwork before us, which I understand was... uh, art installation over at Footscray at one time. Yeah. Tell me about Stephen Ryle's work. He's an amazing artist. He is. Um, so Stephen Ryle is an incredible um, Tungarung man. Um, he yeah, lives and works in Footscray and um, made this fantastic work. Well, he kind of, he kind of interrupted um, something that was already existing. So it was a really, I guess, classy piece of um, graffiti that he carried out on an existing sign. So he changed this big supermarket sign on the side of a building from the biggest um, uh, supermarket in Metro Melbourne and he changed it to the biggest Aboriginal artwork in Melbourne Metro. So, And, and he's um, done the lettering so perfectly that it just blended in. And the more I looked into it, the more I couldn't figure it out, but the more it intrigued me. Um, later on, I saw the, a photograph of this work at Footscray Community Arts Centres, um, one of our um, Indigenous arts cultural program there, exhibition. And Stephen had that work in it, and I realised it was him. So I had a conversation with him about how he did it and really enjoyed this great exhibition he had there about how he did that work. He did it sort of at five in the morning. Um, he filmed himself doing it. He was listening to Richard Bell talk about Bell's theorem on Aboriginal art and that there is no Aboriginal art, that it, it's a white thing. Um, so I just thought it was fantastic. And then over the months, over about 12 months, 14 months, the work started to get a little bit graffitied. Um, when I spoke with Max Delaney, who's the um, director and co-curator of, of Sovereignty, he's the director of ACCA here, um, talked to him about Stephen's work and, and he'd seen photographs of it as well and really loved it. And then we started talking about, well, how are we going to put this in the show? Which, again, led to an even bigger story. Uh, we have Stephen and I standing on the street, playing with the sign, looking at it, trying to figure out how we could get it off the wall and in the gallery. At first we were just looking at sort of putting it on the wall like a sort of standard, you know, 2D work. But then um, between Stephen and Max and the amazing installers here at ACCA, they worked it into this beautiful installation. So now it appears to just stand by itself as you walk into this gallery. Um, but there's a beautiful frame that's built up behind it. And um, it has a, a, a mirror um, effect on the back so that you're, when you look into it, you actually see yourself now. So it's a really good play on words. It's a good play on the state of Aboriginal art in this country, Um, a state of, you know, the so-called traditional Aboriginal art world, the bottom of that dropping out, a lot of people who are making profits of Aboriginal people, you know, all of that. Um, And here this just stands simply and says that this is the biggest Aboriginal artwork in Melbourne Metro. I mean, it could be. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. Paula Bella, curator, we're standing here in a room. It's a massive, big room and all over the walls are these beautiful, big massive trees. Tell me about this work and the artist himself, uh, Uncle Jim Berg. Yeah, so um, we're really immersed in Uncle Jim's photographs of um, scar trees in Wachabalak country. Uh, he photographed over a hundred of them um, and created this brilliant series that he calls A Silent Witness. So um, if you sort of just let that sit with you for a second, um, 
you know, when we grew up in the bush, um, we recognise these trees, we see the scars within them. So it looks, if people aren't familiar with that, what it looks like is that um, uh, a mark has sort of been made in the tree, like a scar on someone's skin, and there's a space. So it's like removing um, something and leaving a negative space. So there's... Um, big scars in these trees and in this gallery these trees are at almost a life-size scale in the mm. photographs because the ceiling in here is about um, five metres tall so you're seeing um, that the trees from the bottom um, as they are on country and um, these scars are, are massive because some of them are the scars from canoes um, and some of them are smaller they might be shields um, and some might be tarnucks or water carriers and things like that so um, and also some might be particular markings to um, denote that you're on a certain part of country or that it might be a, a, a boundary marker or something like that. So um, I really see it like as a, as a love letter and um, this this really, awe, you know, feeling of awe and respect that Uncle Jim creates for country and teaches us all to have. And, you know, and Uncle Jim is such an incredible person, um, such a statesman and, a, you know, Gunditjmara leader and elder and started up you know the legal service and the Koori Heritage Trust I mean he's an absolute legend um, and he was very honoured to have this work in this show and I'm very happy that he agreed and was kind enough to support us all the way through um, and he said he's never seen it like this they've never been shown on a scale like this so it was very important to him that it, it was an immersive experience for people. Behind us, as we turn around, we're looking at Ani Bronwyn Razams, um, and she's a beautiful Gunditjmara um, elder as well. Um, she might tease me for calling her elder because she's she's not old elder. <laughs> Hello, auntie, if you're listening. Auntie, and I call her auntie for the immense respect I have for her and her form, um, her art form, because she's really mastered um, the, the craft, the art of um, weaving. And these are two beautiful um, eel traps that she created especially for this exhibition. She worked very hard on them um, and um, we're very, very grateful. And they're both... Um, quite distinct because they're uh, raffia with hot pink and hot green and um, yellow flowing through them and they're just so vibrant and beautiful and she's previously been known as a weaver but she said she felt she's never felt respected as an artist in her own right and so it was very important to me that she be in this show and her emotion at being in this show made me very emotional um and I'm just very humbled that she was able to do this for us. And I'm very excited that people are seeing these um, eel traps because, you know, they are tens of thousands of years old and she's continuing that practice. They are beautiful and beautiful colours. The colours there, you just explained, the hot pink, the orange, the yellow, the green, they just pop, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah. you know, bush flowers um, on, on, the, on the country and... Um, it's just beautiful and vibrant and they intrigue you. You know, you want to get up close to them and look into them. Makes me want to go catch an eel, eh? Mm. This is beautiful, what I'm looking at before my eyes. What are we looking at here, Paula? So um, we've sort of come to uh, the last um, gallery within, um, within Sovereignty. And um, again, this is a very tall wall, so we have about seven metres um, in height. And um, along that entire space, we have a number of um, banners that have been made by members of the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance. Um, and that's uh, Gabby Briggs, Mariki Onus, Erika Walu and Darnine Onus Williams. Um, and these are very, very powerful banners because um, for, for one, they're handmade. So you see the artists 
um, handwriting, you see the drips of paint, and then you read um, the wording on these signs, and that includes Australia Day, uh, theft, torture, invasion, rape, slavery, murder, genocide since 1788. Um, we see the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance um, sort of headline banner that represents them. Um, we see a banner of genocide which references the treatment of Dylan Voller in the Dondale Detention Centre and the, and the way he was tortured with a spit mask on his face. And in this um, painting, the spit mask is actually um, the Union Jack and the Australian flag wrapped around his face, which is quite chilling. And I feel quite emotional about that banner for many reasons. Um, of course, because of um, the, the suffering that he's had to endure and the other Aboriginal uh, kids. But um, in the... Uh, rally that were organised in light of the John Dale story um, and the expose that was on ABC TV. Um, in that rally, my children themselves carried that banner and so to see it then back on the wall here um, makes me feel at once quite emotional but very proud of my children that, that they stood up and that's including my 12-year-old son who was so disturbed as a young Aboriginal boy to see other Aboriginal boys treated like that that it was so, um, you know, disturbing. We felt we had to do something. And it's black and what white. What were some of the things your 12-year-old well. was saying to you about his understanding of what had happened in the uh, system in the Northern Territory with these children? Mm. Well, he just really couldn't understand how um, he could see his, you know, brother boys being treated in such a way for being Aboriginal. He, he, he was almost speechless about it. It was a more emotional reaction... And um, he stood with all of us and elders um, outside the State Library that day at that rally organised by war. And I saw him really um, have to grow up in an instant, which, you know, I had to really think about whether I took him or not. But he wanted to be there because it made him feel better and it gave him the language to use at school to talk about it in his classroom. So, you know, that's the reality for our kids. They, we have to live in two worlds. We're forced to survive the white man's world and the settler world and go to settler schools. Um, and, but these young people in war, you know, they are beautiful. And Arika said to my son that day that he was a little um, one of the leaders for the day because he walked at the front of that march with that banner with his older sister, my daughter Rosie, and, and Rosie's, um, Rosie's boyfriend, um, Elias, who's a, a young man of colour who lives in this country. So... It's very personal what, what, you know, war are doing. It's very real. This is not art for art's sake. You know, this is activism and this is politics. And that's why it was very important to include their work because they're doing something that many people aren't willing to do and that is to take a risk and to put themselves on the line, you know, and to, to blockade city streets and do what um, our ancestors before us have done, you know. And they're standing up for the rights of Koori kids. There's another banner that says Koori kids stop genocide now. Um, you know, resist, revive, decolonise, you know, there's very powerful statements about how we express ourselves as sovereign people. And there's also on the wall, may I say, a couple of banners missing. This is for a very good reason, Carla. Can you explain this to me? Yeah, so there's a number of banners who've, that have been removed from the um, gallery um, until after Invasion Day. Um, so a lot of you know, people refer to that as Australia Day. We call it Invasion Day. Um, so some of those banners have been removed for use in Invasion Day rallies. Um, afterwards, they'll be returned back to the gallery for the length of the exhibition, and then they'll be returned back to their um, care of war. Um, and uh, so it's a really important thing that we're able to make this um, 
an, a very much a, an alive exhibition where the work come, is coming in and going out, which doesn't usually happen in galleries. I've never seen that before, and I love the fact that in this spot where the artwork should be, you've actually got uh, a small, uh, small piece of paper documenting where the artwork is, explaining to the people right. coming to have a look. Too deadly it is that you've had the warriors of the Aboriginal resistance, the war mob, of course, included in this exhibition. It was so lovely for me to walk in and see their work here. I haven't seen their work on display in a gallery before. Would that be right, Bella? Yeah, no. Um, and um, I think that, you know, it's very important that we be in the spaces that we're, you know, historically excluded from. You know, galleries are very white and they're very institutional, so it's very important that we speak back and that when we speak back, we speak black, <laughs> back to them. Um, so it was really yeah. important. I, 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 as a curator, if I have any um, say or any sense of um, influence um, for the work that I've done in my life, then this is what I want to do with it. You know, I want to use that responsibly. So if it means promoting our young ones who are taking risks and being bloody brave and incredible, then I'll do it. Thank you, Paola Bella, for the very special personal tour of the exhibition today with you. It's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure. Uh, Sovereignty, just tell me about how this whole exhibition came about. Um, well, look, I'm actually really um, pleased that I was invited to co-curate this show with Max Delaney, um, who is the um, artistic director and um, you know director here at, at the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art. Um, and I thought it was fantastic to be able to do a collaborative approach because this is really, uh, you know, for me, an opportunity to, you know, work in a way that is, it is collaborative, but for me I work in a decolonial way. Now, I can't decolonise ACCA overnight with this show and um, that's long, lifelong work that we decolonise these spaces. But it was really fantastic to work with a white man who has, you know, a great level of privilege and, um, and power in his position he said to me, let's work, you know, on this together. And um, he really listened. And so it was about listening to um, our artists that, you know, I collaborate with, that I work with regularly. And it was also about Max acknowledging the incredible work and history um, and the just amount of hard work and my amount of excellent, exciting... It's the most exciting, challenging and dynamic work that anyone's making in this country um, by our artists. So that's why it happened. Um, and it just happened to be, you know, the first, um, the first big show for Max in his time here as director, and it was a fantastic opportunity for me. Um, and we wanted it to be about sovereignty because it needed to be something very real and about the reality of our situation. It couldn't be just a picturesque show, you know, it couldn't be a pretty show, it couldn't be just... Uh, you, you can't celebrate when people are suffering. You have to tell the truth, so that's what it was about. That was Palabella, Wemba Wemba and Gunditjmara woman based in Melbourne and also the curator of Sovereignty. And today on the show, we took you on a very special tour of the Deadly Fine Art Exhibition that is Sovereignty by First Nation artists in Victoria. You've been listening to Earth Matters and broadcast on the Community Radio Network with me, Kerry Lee Harding, and Earth Matters podcasts can be downloaded from earthmatters.org.au. And it's also based on the area of origin from which that particular group comes. And uh, in times of crisis, there's a lot of mutual aid that goes on. Part Aborigines uh, help each other to a very large extent, and they rely on each other both economically and emotionally. 
they have never formed part of the white society and in fact they very often feel themselves to be under pressure from whites. They never know when they're going to be up against discrimination. Maybe it's when they go to look for a house or to look for a job and they find that the white person is going to be preferred to themselves each time. And so when the chips are down, it's on each other that they have to rely. And this, of course, gives them a close feeling of identity and a feeling that part Aborigines are the only ones on whom they can really rely. Little boxes on the hillside, little boxes made of ticky-tacky little boxes. Now so I'd not talk when the sun go, down there freaks come in, like a sunshine. Like a sunshine, them freaks come down like a sunshine. Them freaks come down like a sunshine. Stealing bikes to steal them lives. And kids come here because the prison education system doesn't relate to them. We love being amongst our black brothers and sisters and having different activities that we have and we don't, we find that we just don't go around in circles. We're really an active group and we're going to move and we want something for our black people. And this is young black people, this is the generation that's coming up now and we're really going to show these black people when we grow up because we're really, really unifying here at Black Studies. Due to white exploitation, um, I've lost a bit of my identity and here I've found how wonderful Curry is, and black is really beautiful.